We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 51 of your favorite silly little podcast. What the fuck is CMOS? It's Emma. It's Kate. What else did you be listening to rather than Emma and I talking about what food is out at our grocery store, the supply chain, metabolism in this week's podcast episode? We're almost at a thousand memes, which is so just crazy. Why have we made that many memes? Why have we been able? Why have we not repeated? It's because we are a girl boss. We are girl bosses and we are consistent at posting. I am confused and concerned, more or less, that we have not repeated stuff. You know, maybe we repeated similar SpongeBob imagery, but never exactly repeated anything. Like, we've never reused templates intentionally, I believe. I think we have here and there, but not enough for it to be obvious. But, you know, that is just proof that we have very creative brains and the juices are always flowing I was also y'all wish you you could have our brains I was also thinking about the fact of like some of the best memes that are like really deep down the meme page like you could never scroll and that's so depressing like do we start a new meme page once you hit a thousand so like you could fucking CMOS girl CMOS girlies point two oh yeah I guess we could go through the stories and like look you know I just want I want to look at what were our first fucking memes about I mean I know it was like the voice memo girls I fully need like a t-shirt with like our first meme ever made (laughs) yeah that one was it was one of the like (sighs) it was the Nicki Minaj one and it's like so there's this podcast yeah yeah Uh, but then the next one was like something about whole food supplement section yeah it's like what a society of men ate vegetables yeah yeah oh god the good old days <laughs> good old days how's your weekend but emma it's um my 3 30 in new york wait it's, 4 30 it's very much 4 30 in new york nice. um yeah it's really kind of depressing here it's just like dark and like actually cold yeah and it's kind of getting too cold to like bike to places yeah so it's kind of been like a a lounge around type weekend for me I now that I am back to being an athlete my body be feeling it I'm just like I'm sore head to toe I also have like this like nasal nasal congestion which isn't cute um finally secured mackerel though um for anyone who was wondering if you somehow have, have access to our twitter you would know that we the mackerel we last week in the pod too so don't worry they, they yeah don't. mackerel be nowhere and I finally was able to secure I I was nice and I only took two packages <gasps> I hope there's some for me when I come back 
I'm in Minnesota right now. So that's my update. I went home to visit family and, you know, I got home on Thursday evening and then Friday, my mom goes, we're getting two kittens. And I'm like, what? My dad said, no, the fuck we're not. My mom said, yep, we are. So um, split household. And we decided to go get these kittens that my mom apparently had been messaging someone on Facebook and they've like fostered a bunch of animals. We already have two cats. Uh, we used to have four at one point, but then those other two passed away. So we got two kittens and then kind of have to slowly introduce them to the older ones. There's been a lot of like hissing and fighting, but they're so precious and cute. Um, and I did some thrifting and vintage, you know, I got a fucking accost all the places that I went to when I was 16. It's so crazy though. I noticed when I was really like in high school thrifting, I would really think about every item. And now I was like, Oh, $50. That's nothing to me. Like that is penny change, you know, just like being an adult now with money and going to vintage yeah, stores. Nice. Um, like I probably spent $200 and granted I got like eight or nine things, but I'm like, Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm returning, I don't know, either tomorrow or today or some shit like that. So I'll be back to get some mackerel, but I tried to go to target to find mackerel and put it in my suitcase. None in Minnesota either. None in Minnesota. Bro, there the mackerel shortage be real. And it's definitely part of the supply chain craziness that's occurring. But I'm like, can it be, can it be for like fucking like eggplant, <laughs> literally eggplant, like, I don't know, um, like soy milk pickles, but like tortillas or something. Soy milk. <laughs> yeah, soy milk. Soy milk. There we go. Um, um, corn dogs. Why do we need those? Um, applesauce, canned corn, you know, weird, um, weird shit. Yeah. Like tortilla chips. Like, yeah. But exciting news. Um, so we're going to have merch coming up for you guys probably this upcoming week. Um, if you are listening to this, you did hear that, please make note that you should buy it because it once again is limited edition. If you're listening to the podcast and you like, don't get why we're so rattled about merch all the time. It's because we probably get five DMS every two days asking where's the merch. merch? It's like besties. The merch will come. Um, it's probably just going to be like reissues of whatever we did last time I was trying to redesign. I was like, yeah, I don't have the mental capacity for this. Yeah. Someone asked for like memes on the shirt. And I was like, look, if I had a graphic designer and Emma and I weren't doing this podcast for free, uh, I would think about it, but you know, this is very much not our job. So be grateful that you get memes to begin with and you get the, really be grateful that you got a t-shirt. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, we wish that we could do cooler merch, but we'll see. And then one day we'll have some in-person New York city activations that I've been girl bossing, dealing with the details. Oh yeah. I'm, I have a meeting with the people again to figure that out. Just let Hell me know. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. I was kind of like, mm, what details? <laughs> yeah. Um, there's two different events that might be happening in November. So if you're in New York city, make sure you're in Geneva. Cause that's where you'll get all the details and there'll be fun little CMOSC early meetups. So that's something to look forward to. And then Emma and I will be, you know, exiting our phase of being 22, which is also very exciting in the month of November, November babies. Looking forward to that. Yeah, I'm very, very excited. And then it's our one year anniversary and then we do it all over again. Okay. If you're listening to this, let us know what we should do for a one year anniversary. Do we get another happy Zoe vegan bakery cake? I think we could do something else. Something else that is like. Like sushi. Like yeah like it could be yeah it has to be kind of chaotic though I know like I want to go to one of those like weird Instagram accounts that gets like all the Instagrammable food and there has to be something weird that we could customize like sushi burritos and then like write CMOS girlies in like sriracha on it like you know I don't know I'm, I want to do something kind of savory honestly 
I yeah, I'm kind of exiting my sweet tooth era, or at least I'm trying to. Um, but yeah, let's maybe figure out some sort of like psychotic, cursed, savory, customized moment. I mean, like Zoe does offer savory shit. We could, <laughs> we have we tried that. Crazy, but I'm, I'd rather not. I'd rather eat some like real food. Oh, Emma, I forgot to, I was going to send you this. I'll tell the podcast girlies. I was going through my archive on my Instagram and like seeing like, what did I used to post in like 2019? You know, just reliving the glory days. And there was one screenshot text between you and I, and it was about something, I think it was about cashew fiesta dip at Trader Joe's. And then it was like a screenshot of the text. And then I put as like the text for my Instagram story, like, why don't Emma and I have a podcast? And this was like July of 2019. So cute. So funny. That is cute. That is we tried to do that once. I remember we went into a grocery store and I was like, ask us questions if we had a podcast. Oh well. Look at us now. Now we're fucking veterans. Now we're veterans. Now we're veterans. But (laughs) yeah, that brings us to today's podcast. It is about metabolism. Um, this is I think like every wellness brand's favorite thing to like harp on. Like if you are a wellness brand and you don't create a product that like claims to boost your metabolism are you even a wellness brand yeah and yeah we're gonna get into so many different things you know metabolism I think about a lot I'm sure a lot of the CMOS girlies have whether or not you've experienced eating disorder you exercise you don't exercise like once again if you're in the health and wellness space it's everywhere you're always thinking about how to optimize your hormones and genes and all of that so we hope that this podcast kind of gets through the bullshit as Emma and I like to do with our little shod we have here so Let's get into episode 51. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You know us CMOS girlies are serious about our omega-3 fatty acids and sustainability, right? Introducing today's new sponsor, Goodfish. Goodfish is an upcycled salmon skin snack sustainably sourced from Bristol Bay, Alaska. What's an upcycled snack, you may ask? It's a great way to reduce food waste to help tackle climate change. Goodfish upcycles from sustainably caught wild Alaskan sockeye salmon from Bristol Bay, Alaska. The health benefits of Goodfish are major, like each bag includes 10 grams of full BCAA fish protein, 800 milligrams of omega-3 fatty acids, and 2,600 milligrams of marine collagen. Goodfish even has seven different flavors. Our favorite is the miso teriyaki for the hottest macrobiotic bowl ever. You can use code CMOS15 for 15% off goodfish.com. Okie dokie. So let's just get right on into it. And I hope you guys all enjoy my deep, semi-sultry voice for today's episode. <laughs> what um, is that coming from? Your mackerel? Or my what? like weird, like I had a sore throat. Now it's like, you know, it's a bunch of different things. Hmm. I don't have COVID though. Got it. Anywho. 
So kind of like a brief overview of like metabolism, like the definition, like what kind of like compromises your metabolism, et cetera. We'll go into that and then we'll kind of get into like different things that can impact your metabolism than how to like quote unquote fix it. So it's defined as a set of chemical reactions that occur in cells of living organisms to sustain life. So basically the metabolism is like to help us all basically like live, you know, in this world. And there's two different categories within metabolism. So there's catabolism, and this process is like the breakdown of molecules or food in order to obtain energy. And then anabolism is the stage where the body is built slash like repaired. So once the food has been like transferred into a form to be utilized as energy in the body, it then will go into an anabolic state. And in this, um, in this state, any energy that was not required for anabolism is then just stored as fat. So this is how kind of metabolism is so closely connected to nutrition because basically like the availability of nutrients as is like what is able to like help function and like allow metabolism to occur as metabolism relies upon nutrients slash food that they can then break down and produce into energy. So that's kind of like a brief, like understanding, like high level definition of what metabolism is. So then kind of like, what is your metabolic rate? This is like something that's always talked about all the time, throwing them around, like what's your metabolic rate, et cetera. And so it's a marker basically of how efficient your metabolism is. And there's three components that kind of compromise your metabolism. So first is going to be your BMR, which is your basal metabolic rate. And this is essentially just like the minimum amount of calories needed for your body to function and maintain homeostasis at rest and accounts for the large percentage percentage of your energy energy expenditure. And again, there's going to be different things that kind of impact this, whether it's your body fat, lean body mass and size that will impact your BMR. And BMR is solely like, if you were just like sitting and like doing nothing, like at rest in your bed, this is like how much you would just like need in order to like live. So it's like very, very dangerous if you go below your BMR, because that's when you're going to experience terrible side effects that often occur with like, you know, eating disorders and under eating. And then next is going to be your energy expenditure. So basically the physical activity that you do, that's like intentional. This accounts for 20% of your daily expenditure. And this is really the only component of your metabolic rate that you have kind of complete control over because you can kind of decide how active you want to be. Whereas like your BMR is going to be kind of more of like a set point that you can't really like alter or adjust that much. And then is going to be the thermic effect of food. And so this is going to be the amount of energy utilized during the process of eating, digesting, and metabolizing food, because there is a little bit of burning of calories through this process. And this accounts for five to 10% of your expenditure. And there's different types of food that will raise your BMR. So protein will raise your BMR more than like fat does. And so these all combined kind of then equal to your total metabolic rate, or basically how many calories your body like burns or how many that you are going to need. And I'm sure so many people have gone down the rabbit holes of like, what's like my metabolic rate. And you can like do 10 billion different calculators and like, they will all spew out different numbers. And so that's why it's like, it's, it's like, you know, kind of point, not pointless to like do those, but like, you'll never fully know how much your body truly needs. So it's like not really worth getting like super stressed out about, because again, like everything is going to have like a different, um, different number. There's so many different things that are taken into equation. Yeah. And that's like something Emma and I often spiral and like talk about is like the cal- the calculators online, because then it relates to like, how many calories do you need in a day? Because based on like your BMR and then based on like, you know, all the different filters when you go on those websites, like, are you sedentary? Are you kind of active? Are you very active? And I'm always like, what's the fucking difference between very active and active, right? 
Um, so it is the mental gymnastics to try to act like you know more than your body. And that's where I think it can become like very toxic, lead to an eating disorder, lead to restrictive tendencies when you feel like, oh, I got a, I got a fucking calorie calculator that said I need to eat like 1,200 calories. Um, and so I think go proceed with caution as you try to like, you know, like calculate your own metabolic rate. Um, one thing that often comes up in conversations about metabolism, just like in the general population, I think like the common misnomer or like sentence is always, oh, my metabolism, my metabolism is slowing down because I'm getting older or like, oh, my metabolism doesn't work like it did when I was in my teens or like, oh, this guy can eat so much more because his metabolism is so much bigger. And I think it's really weird. We often think about like, I have a fast metabolism, slow metabolism, because it's not like you really know. I mean, you could guess that you are let's say eating more or less, you have more muscle mass than someone compared it to you. But a lot of it could be genetic. A lot of it could be, you know, your exercise expenditure, like you're saying. Um, so that's kind of, I think how most people come to metabolism once again. Um, and your metabolism does tend to slow down with age, but it is not like this huge statement that I think everyone like talks about it because it's most of the time that you lose muscle mass as you age. Like you're not as active. People are not weightlifting. You're not doing resistance training. And so your metabolism peaks when you turn age one. So you're sorry, everyone, you're kind of naturally on a decline. And then from age 20 to 60, though, your metabolism actually doesn't change. And after 60, that's when your metabolism is going to be decreasing naturally. Now with women, those with female hormones, uh, menopause does alter your um, metabolism a little bit. So have to look at like biological like markers when it comes to metabolism is then. But the reason that like they often say like, oh, you're getting older, your metabolism is getting slower is because muscle burns more calories than fat. So if you are not continuing to be active as you get older, that's why your metabolism is going to be a lot slower. Um, at the end of the day, though, it's like not something to be super, super fixated on, like we were saying before, because muscle isn't the end all be all. In fact, the lungs, kidney, heart, brains, and liver account for the majority of your body's totally total daily energy expenditure, an estimated 80%. So it is important to continue to do like exercise and specifically resistance bands work as you age, just to work your muscle groups. But at the end of the day, like you can't, there's some things that are predetermined for you. And so you can't really change those things. Um, and back to the thing with gender. So oftentimes it's like, why is it harder for women to lose more weight? A lot of times couples will try to enter some sort of like 30 day workout program and the guy loses a lot more than the girl or something like that. And it's because women typically have more body fat and less muscle than men. When you think about it from an evolutionary standpoint, that women need to have fat on their body to have kids and make sure that they have enough fat storage to like produce a child. And so that means naturally that women are probably going to have a lower BMR than men. Um, and hormones, for example, as I was saying before, like menopause is a huge factor that alters women's hormones, then that relates to your metabolism. But some things like either an underactive or overactive thyroid or diabetes also are hormonal diseases that can affect your metabolism. Not going to get too much into those. I'm on, I have neither experienced them, but there's like a lot of, obviously you're going to have to go to your doctor and like figure that out, like consulting one-on-one to kind of think about your hormones there. Um, and then another thing that like, yeah, if you naturally are under eating, you're going to be losing estrogen. And so this natural lack of estrogen in your brain is, they did like an experiment on mice, of course, and it caused these mice to age a lot more and gain more weight without consuming more calories. So once again, like I think a lot of the weight loss rhetoric specifically that's targeted towards women, it's like lose weight, you'll be fine. Like your metabolism is not going to be hurt. Like you're just going to 
burn it all off, but you could be doing a lot of internal damage, um, specifically when it comes to hormones and estrogen. Yeah. So yeah, with like age and gender and hormones, those are things that you're not going to really have much control over and like kind of like biohacking in order to like optimize your like metabolism. But exercise is an area where again, you can, because your physical activity is something that you have full control control over. And so kind of getting now into like how exercise can affect your metabolism. So your total daily expenditure is all going to be determined by how much active movement you do each day. And this can be solely through like walking, you know, working out, cleaning the dishes, et cetera. It's just any point where you're like moving your body. And so basically how this all ties into metabolism is that when we work out, our body uses up glucose that's stored in the muscles as exercise burns the calories in our muscles, and then also the energy the body utilizes to refuel. And so exercise will then help you burn calories, but that increase in calories kind of burn, burn lasts as long as you work out for the most part. And so you might keep burning extra calories for an hour or so after that, but the after effects of exercise will kind of stop there. So that's why it's kind of like more important to, you know, remain active throughout the day, as opposed to just like, you know, doing a 40 minute, 45 minute session, and then just being sedentary, because you're going to be kind of actually living a more sedentary life as opposed to just like staying constantly moving. And that's something that is like kind of tied to like the blue zone regions and why they are like such healthy people because they remain consistently active. But there is kind of a way where you can actually increase your caloric burn throughout the day. And that's going to really be determined by what type of exercise you do, which is cardio versus resistance training. Cause there's so much talk about like, Oh, cardio burns my calories. But like, you know, with, you know, with resistance training, you're building more muscle and muscle burns more calories. So what should I do? Again, this isn't us telling you like what you should be doing for exercise. It's just like solely like research and like science-based, but you will, yes, burn more calories during cardiovascular exercise. So running, swimming, et cetera. But with weight training and resistance training, if you do it in a really good, proper way, you will increase your muscle mass, which will then lead to a higher metabolic rate as more calories are burned because muscle is going to be more metabolically active than fat. And so it's going to keep a slow burn of calories all day long while you're at rest, because when you're sitting and you have more muscle, you're going to be burning more calories as opposed to the fat. But you also need to be strategic with like the weight and resistance training such as consistency, having like progressive overload and like proper nutrition, et cetera, getting good sleep. So it is like, you know, it does seem simple, but also it does take a lot of, um, you know, work in order to like actually build muscle in a strategic way. Um, so I think everyone could benefit from lifting, you know, weights and doing some sort of like resistance training, but also it's like find a workout that works best for you. Cause I don't think, you know, our sole purpose on this earth is to like to offer optimize our metabolism. Yeah. Um, but it's easy to kind of get down that rabbit hole. And so then kind of considering how sleep impacts metabolism, because, you know, sleep is tied to really everything. Um, so our metabolism does actually slow while we sleep by up to 15% and it'll reach its lowest level actually right in the morning when you wake up. And so studies have shown that sleep deprivation commonly leads to metabolic dysregulation as poor sleep will increase oxidative stress, glucose, intolerance and insulin resistance. And so too little sleep can also cause a cortisol spike, which signals your body to conserve energy during waking hours because cortisol level, because heightened cortisol levels. Yeah. Like I said, do cause you to hold on to fat. And then, so really it's just important to get adequate sleep and to develop a good evening routine to set you up for success and for your metabolism. Yeah. And that kind of gets into the next section of like, all this is kind of like kind of going against the thing like, oh, you can totally biohack your body. It's like to an extent you can, but you should not be fixated on that. 
and that ties into like time between meals. I know that's something that has kind of been a rocky relationship for me, just listening to so many health and wellness podcasts with, you know, different health advice. You can get like 180 degree different shit from podcasts and just doctors, like the whole um, idea of intermittent fasting. You should have huge amounts of time between your eating, or you should have six meals a day and so many snacks. Like there's some people that cherish one and some people that cherish the other. And it feels like there's no really way to win. You know, I think that's how I feel personally. Like for a while, I feel like I was so scared to like, you know, snack between meals. Cause I was like, oh no, like my metabolism, like I just ate an hour ago. Like I'm such a bad person. And realistically, like when you think about our ancestors and like hunting and gathering, I don't know why I've been so obsessed with like the idea of like foraging as a woman. I think it was like at an apple orchard and just like, I don't know, I feel, I feel my primal instincts are coming back, but we don't have like really records of like how often people were eating. It was just very intuitive. It was like, you did work and you ate when you had time to eat and then you got on with the day. So these are kind of the, I would say pros and cons of each of the two, I would say like time window types of diets, I guess. So intermittent fasting, I'm sure everyone has heard of. Um, It's very popular. It first became popular of like the 5-2 type of intermittent fasting diet. And that was from Michelle Harvey and Mark Mark Mattinson. And then it became popular in the UK because there was this BBC two television show called, or it was a documentary called Eat Fast and Live Longer. And now like the theory of intermittent fasting and why it has become so buzzy as like a way to biohack your body and your hormones and weight loss, metabolism, all of those things is because between our meals, as long as you don't snack, our insulin levels will go down and then your fat cells can release their stored sugar to be used as energy. And so Fasting is dependent on different types of energy metabolism. That's going to be glycogen, lipid, and amino acid. And so it means basically like if you are giving your body optimal time to break between meals, you could enter different phases of fat burning than if your body's constantly um, digesting and eating, because that is something that does expend energy and like requires, yeah, like muscles and everything to digest food. However, like a lot of the intermittent fasting uh, research, once again, whenever you're thinking about like different diets, thinking has this been tested on humans? Most of it comes from animal experiments or small studies of relatively short durations in humans. So even if it has been like, let's say tested at a clinical level, was it a diverse level? Most of these tests are like done on middle-aged men, white men. So like, how is that going to relate to a woman who's 17 getting marketed to intermittent fast? I don't think anyone that's like going through adolescence should be fasting unless it is for like religious or spiritual purposes, you know? Um, Back to the small studies. So it's very normal to lose muscle during weight loss, but then this one experiment, they looked at it and they said that the group that was fasting Um, lost a lot of their muscle mass, a lot more than was expected. And that's concerning because as we were saying before, like muscle is going to be one of the things that can help your metabolism a lot. So it protects you against like falling and disability as you're aging. And it's linked to a lower, lower mortality, increases your metabolism, can prevent weight loss. So if the intermittent fasting group was losing their muscle, like how effective of a, you know, metabolism boosting hack is it really? Um, some people said that they, the researchers speculated in this study, like as they were trying to explain why they lost muscle is because the fasting diet led people to consume less protein because they were consuming less calories. Now that's like not true. Cause you could, you could eat like an at, you could eat in a surplus technically during an intermittent fast. So that's one thing to account for. And then the other, I feel like type of way of eating, that's not just like a normal intuitive way of eating is like 
eating like the six meals a day or eating like every few hours. So making really small meals in your day. Um, I think the biggest way that this would be beneficial is if you're very busy or you can't digest large portions, maybe if you're an athlete and like you want to eat a lot of fiber or vegetables, but you're like, I get bloated every time I eat like a huge macro bowl. It could be nice to split it up if the idea of eating really big portions is also scary to you from like an eating disorder perspective having small quantities and portions can be nice. Um, yeah. So I think that's just like a personal preference on it, but I would say that when it comes to mealtime, like I know personally, I've been, I, I've struggled in the past with like, how often should I eat? Should I do cardio fasted? Like what's going to work? My body's been the same throughout whatever the fuck I've done. My body's going to do whatever it wants at the end of the day. Um, and I think you should just focus on consistent meal times because that's going to translate to your body not being under a state of stress. So like if you eat breakfast at 9am every day and your body knows that it's looking for food and one day you don't do that, your body's probably going to be a little bit more stressed out and stress is going to fuck with your hormones and your metabolism. So that's just like a general advice. And also with like, I think our listeners and like how impressionable everyone is like, this is kind of advice that I've just been trying to grade into my head personally. Um, if you are constantly having to, let's say, track your movement, track calories, really focus on like, quote, clean eating or like not having social eating and that type of stuff, you're like working against your body to a degree. Like your body has a natural set point and a natural set weight. And so if you have to do so much to control it to look a certain way, maybe that's not how your body's supposed to be looking. You know, I think there's a very small amount of the population that should actually be like tracking their calories and macros. And it probably is professional athletes. I don't think the average gym goer probably needs to. So I think if you're fighting against what your body has to be, and I'm saying this as someone who often has like tried to fight against, I think their body, just let it go. You know, think about it. Like what you looked like two years ago, you probably looked very similar. Yes, no, totally. And I feel like, I feel like everyone has probably experimented with intermittent fasting. I know I did for like a while and I did realize that like it would just like stress me out because I would just like at two or 3 PM just be like, so fixated on food, but I'd be like, no, I can't eat. I can't eat. And now just like with like my current like routine and everything I do like eat consistently throughout the day. And I do feel like a lot better, but again, it's going to be so like individual and like some people might thrive on it and others won't. So again, like just because you're seeing something that's like spewed out by some sort of like wellness person on the internet that's claiming that like this saved me it might have worked for them but it may not work for you so like don't beat yourself up if you like can't you know follow someone else's path because again that's not going to set you up for success um but then this kind of gets into like what things that can like hurt your metabolism or like you know so many people talk about like oh I have a damaged metabolism xyz so the main and biggest reason is going to be from under eating and under fueling so our body is an adaptation machine. So it truly wants us to maintain homeostasis. So when you eat more, your body is going to burn more. And when you eat less, your body is going to burn less. So everyone who, you know, maybe started going on a diet or maybe you were restricting your eating. If you do that for a prolonged period of time, that deficit that you like created for yourself becomes your body's like maintenance. So like, you know, if you cut like 500 calories from your diet and you're now eating, I don't know, 1500 for like, you know, four months, that is your body's like normal maintenance. So a lot of people get frustrated, um, when they're, you know, don't see that they're like losing weight or their body hasn't changed. And it's mainly because like, that is your normal, like maintenance point. And so if you want to, you know, quote unquote, lose weight, you have to either eat less or exercise more. And that's where it can become a, such an unhealthy relationship. And that's where eating disorders kind of like develop because, you just feel like your only way 
out or your only way to, you know, lose more weight or, you know, get the aesthetic goals that you want is to basically just like put your body through like pain and like suffer and like not feed yourself. And when you do under eat, you're going to be deficient in so many micronutrients that will lead to like so many other like health implications. And then I think the reason that it's so difficult to not fall into this trap is because a lot of the micronutrient deficiency is at the blood level and you can't see it. Like you can't see if you're deficient in zinc and B12. And also let's say you even assume that you're deficient in something. You don't know how that's going to relate to a health issue. Like if you, you could be more susceptible to getting the flu, more susceptible to fractures. So you're really risking, I think a lot by just aesthetic goals. And I think that's not talked about a lot. Yeah, no, totally. And I think also it's like one thing to keep in mind, I think, you know, weight loss, whatever diet culture is always like, you always like need to be on a diet. You always like need to like, you know, be in a deficit. And it's like, no one is supposed to be in a deficit for like an extended period of time. Like that is not healthy. That is not sustainable. That's going to lead to, you know, things such as like binge eating, et cetera like maybe for like a short period of time. And then you need to be on maintenance because otherwise like your body is going to suffer, but to kind of get back into like what happens when your metabolism does lower, when you do eat in a deficit or are under fueling, your body can sense that like food is scarce. So when it senses this and when it knows, oh, I'm not getting enough calories in my, in my system, it will lower its rate at which it burns calories. And so, you know, when this happens, your metabolism isn't actually broken. It's just that this is what your metabolism is designed to do. So your metabolism is still quote unquote healthy. It's just not working in the way that you like want it to work. And so this kind of like leads into like, again, that like a slow metabolism is not a broken metabolism. It's more of just a disadvantageous metabolic adaptation. This is like a term that I have heard a lot from this one girl who I've been kind of like binge watching her YouTube videos. It's her name is like misfit and nerdy. Um, but she goes like really into like the science of like, you know, metabolism, et cetera. And she's like a very like inspiring person to watch. So I do recommend if you're interested in learning more about this. Yeah. Like, oh, go ahead. You can go. I was going to say, I think all of our listeners, you have probably heard 90% advice telling you, you need to be on a diet. You need to intermittent fast. You need to restrict or do something like that. And so that other 10%, like I find myself, I need to actively seek out people that are telling me to eat more, to you know, eat like proper meal sizes that you should not fast. You should not restrict. Like you have to intentionally seek that out because I think social media algorithms and everything is favoring the content that is leading you down a rabbit hole. And so like, I think for me, it's like, I don't have that many, you know, I don't actively like listen to like a podcast every morning. That's telling me not to restrict or not to do that. But I think that could be a healthy habit if you are struggling to just to like feed yourself. So that voice becomes so like, you can't forget it, you know, in your head. Yes. And I know when I was going through like eating disorder, like recovery with my nutritional therapist, like really all that it took for me to like feel more comfortable with eating more was like having a professional or like someone yeah. just be like, no, you do need to eat more. And so I do recommend watching her YouTube videos because she's like very much like anti-diet. She like basically says like the worst thing that you can do for your body and metabolism is literally to go on a diet. Um, but so if you are someone though, who has like been under eating for an extended period of time, there is, you know, hope in the sense that like you can fix your metabolism because yeah. your metabolism will adapt to your body based off of how much you are eating. Um, so you don't have to be where you're at forever. Um, so that's going to kind of get into the next section of like how to fix your broken metabolism or how to boost your metabolism. Yeah. Um, this kind of gets into eating disorder recovery. And so whether or not you've experienced it, I think there is still a lot of undiscussed eating disorder behaviors 
whether that's orthorexia now that I'm on TikTok, like a lot of the guys that talk about cutting calories and like gym bro culture is extremely eating disorder, like rampant. So whether or not you have one or are acting upon it, you're definitely seeing it. And I think it's really important to talk about why it's dangerous because for me, like when I was going through it, you know, nothing was going to, the, what, when you have an eating disorder, what are you struggling? What are you struggling with? Gaining fat, looking a bigger size, that type of stuff, eating more, any of that type of stuff. So if a therapist is coming to you and just say, you need to gain weight, that's not going to be a motivating factor. That is everything you are actively trying to avoid. So for me to break out of it, I had to be scared. I had to be scared that you have osteopenia, you have all these health complications. Like that, I think is the information that has to go out to get people out of eating disorder, like behavior. Cause it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be like Kate Moss and like 90s chic and like heroin chic and like smoke cigarettes. Like that is the main dominant like body type in the media. And so you have to just like scare people. Like I've seen a few videos on TikTok of like former models of the nineties that have been like, yeah, my life sucks. I'm 40 now. And I have all these health things and I have to be on all this medication and like really fall. I can't work out. I can't walk. So it's like almost has to be a scare, a scary uh, lens. So this gets into like eating disorder. So when someone's actively restricting your calories, your metabolism becomes very slow. We've kind of already touched on this. It is very, your, the physical symptoms are going to be very like uh, familiar. It's going to be like a lack of energy, low blood pressure, sensitivity to, sensitivity to cold, hair falling out. I'm sure you guys, if you've experienced eating disorder, that's kind of the general thing. But with very little food coming in, your body's going to have to ration available energy towards sustaining life functions like pumping the heart, breathing, consciousness, movement. For women, losing your period is often one of the first signals that you have or that you are underfueling yourself and you're hurting your metabolism. So when you're in recovery, though, this is something I found very interesting because a lot of the times anorexia is diagnosed as being something that's psychological, that like people are hurting themselves and just don't want to eat, but it's actually metabolic. Like it's not just like you don't want to eat, but after underfueling and underfueling, like your metabolism is not craving obviously the same amount of calories it was before. Um, so never feel like guilty that like, oh, it's just like, I'm being a bad person. It's like your, your physiological functions and your normal triggers and hunger cues have changed so much that you can't even get back to a place without like being in a recovery program pretty much. So when you're in recovery, the metabolism will start to speed up to capture this new source of energy when you do start to introduce more food and you're eating more calories, right? But there's this period called hypermetabolism, and I'm sure a lot of people have experienced this, also thinking about it as extreme hunger, where the metabolism becomes very, very fast. It's like, finally, I'm being fed. Like I was starved. I was in like a starvation diet mode. When you, If you look up the starvation diet about eating disorder stuff. Um, now I'm finally getting enough calories. I can finally have my period again. I can finally you know, have nourishing, healthy skin you may need four to time, four to five times what you were previously eating. Four to five times. Like if you were eating, let's say even like 1,200 calories, that is upwards of 5,000 calories, right? That is so scary. And once again, it gets back to the mindset, like everything you are trying to avoid when you have an eating disorder is gaining weight, is eating more. And so if you are just craving so much, I think I just want to validate that like that is what your body needs. And also too, like when I know that I went through recovery and had the weight gain, like it was awkward. And then the weight redistributed, that's a very common thing as well. So like, don't feel like you're stuck in a body, like your, your body's going to change a lot throughout your life. And so that's one thing with recovery that like, you know, a month into it, you're going to look different than you do two years into recovery with it. So it's really um, important to take it seriously again. And I think like with like recovery and everything, like you really just have to like trust your body and like everything like will be okay because it is like totally scary but just like keeping in mind that like it's for the best and so that like you can live a happy and like healthy life like down the road because like honestly like 
yeah, you're, we're only 20 once, but like in 30, 40 years, like none of this shit will like matter. Yeah. Um, so this kind of gets into another topic sort of, of like, you know, how to boost your metabolism under like eating sort of recovery, et cetera, is reverse dieting. This is something that's been getting talked about a little bit more and more in different podcasts that I listen to and from different YouTube videos that I've watched, but it's obviously just like the total opposite of dieting. But it's a strategic method that involves slowly increasing your daily food intake in an effort to raise your metabolism. And so generally these like increments of calories will be about 50 to hundred calories a week. And this is just to get your basal metabolic rate back to its original or close to its original like set point. And so it's very common for those kind of like involved in fitness competitions. Um, and the success for this is largely anecdotal. There's not much scientific research. But there's like a lot of bodybuilders that will go into like bulking season and then, you know, they'll go into their cut season. Then once they like get out of their cut season, they'll slowly, you know, add calories in more and more and more. So they kind of like aren't like their body isn't totally like shocked with like, you know, consuming 2000 calories like immediately. But the slow increase of calories will allow your body to slowly adapt and in the process help boost your metabolism. And then thus you'll be able to burn more through things such as like non-exercise activity, thermogenesis, um, through digestion, through just like exercise, you'll just like have more energy because you have more calories in your system. And so this really can help with reducing the risk of binge eating if you come from a restrictive past and kind of avoiding like that refeeding syndrome as it will help you kind of like ease into a normal caloric intake versus going all in. So if you're someone who also is like maybe a little bit like scared of like, you know, just eating like, you know, an additional a thousand calories, there is like a way to kind of like ease yourself into it. And I kind of wish that like, that was like something that like my nutritional therapist sort of like had me do. Cause it was very much like, you just need to eat like all these calories. And it was like, holy shit. Okay. Like I need to like ease myself into this. Um, but with this again, um, yeah, it'll help you kind of ease into your normal caloric intake. And then it'll also help keep lean muscle mass and avoid the risk of gaining excess fat or weight because it is like such a slow period. Now, again, we're not telling you, you need to do a reverse diet if you think you have a slow metabolism, but as always, like work with a professional or do adequate research. And just so you mind that like, this may not be the best also option. If you have come from the passive eating disorders as the counting of calories with like minimal fatting might still perpetuate disordered eating because, you know, you do have to be kind of conscious of like how much you're eating week over week. And also because of that, it is such a slow process you may never actually read your true set point. So I think you have to be fully like intentional and actually like be like fully committed to like the whole reverse dieting if you actually want to see impacts. And I think like I, you know, here and there, I sometimes still struggle. I'll be honest with like eating more, but I feel like I'm finally at a point where it's like, I'm gonna like grow up, like yeah. just eat your food and like who fucking cares. Um, So I think again, like as you get older, you kind of realize that like, a lot of these things like matter less and less, whether it's like aesthetic goals and whatnot. Um, and I think just like trusting your body is honestly like the biggest thing. Yeah. And I think that, um, like Emma was saying with like the trusting your body thing, or like just saying like, fuck it, like grow up. Um, I think it is beneficial to have friends that have experience like eating disorders because it makes the conversations like so much more normal. You don't feel alien, but then at the same time, it also is really important to have friends and family members who do not have any fucked up food relationship. I mean, I think everyone has little like weird food things they do or like ways they combine food or weird things they eat, but it is really important to see people eating intuitively. I think that's just like a huge thing where you really snap into reality. Like, wow, I'm obsessed with like, if I ate one rice cake or two rice cake, like, you know, that those type of shit. 
Um, and then you think about like, wow, there's actually people that don't have food on their table and I'm being a little bitch. Like that's some stuff that does help me snap out of it um, to not just so like fixate on yourself. Cause at the end of the day, like I'm always saying, like no one is going to remember you for your pant size, unless you're a model, unfortunately, like no one, no one actually cares. No one really knows. Emma and I've said this about boys all the time. Boys literally don't care how your body looks. They're fucking dumb or like vice versa girls or any sort of relationship. It's like, no one cares about you for that reason. And if they do, they're probably an asshole. And also there's just like so much more to life than just like, whether you can fit into like a size, like double zero pair of jeans. Like if you're able to fit that way, like when you're 15, great. But if you're 22 and like, can't, yeah, that makes sense. Like our bodies change and you're not always going to be like, look the way that you did when you were, you know, in high school. And I think that like, again, with the whole like social media, like you're only being shown models. Like it's so easy to think like, oh, like my body should remain the same, but it's like, no, like it's normal to gain weight. It's normal to like have, yeah, your body fluctuate. And I think like, you know, more and more that just has to become more accepted. Yeah. And I think you have to take the active choice of like changing your social media feeds. I think that's been the biggest thing that's helped me through it is like, really, I'd never feel like I'd follow people that were like super, super models, but if someone triggers you mute them, you don't, don't gotta unfollow them. Like you can really change and clean up how you are consuming media because it is going to affect how you think about yourself. The last part of the part of this episode, I think is just like the bullshit part of it that I was like, this is dumb. But there's a lot of metabolism boosting health claims, right? On every fucking product you see. Sakara Life is like the biggest one I fucking think of because I get their ads all the time. All the time. Um, if you guys want the inside tea on how fucked up Sakara Life is, you have to pay to be an influencer for them. They reach out to me and they're like, you have to pay us $300. I'm like, I'm going to lose money by promoting your bullshit. No, no thanks. But the first two that come to mind when I think about metabolism boosting like foods is like often coffee and green tea. Like I think people use this in a very disordered way. They were like, all I've had for breakfast today is coffee. Like no one fucking asked Kaylee. No one fucking asked that you only had coffee. The only thing that is accurate about this health claim is that like green tea does have an antioxidant called EGCG. Can boost your metabolism, but you'd have to drink up to five cups. I don't know who's doing that. Matcha does have at least three times as much each E-G-C-G as regular green tea. I've seen that five times fast. Yeah, I know. So like matcha is more effective than green tea, but once again, like that is not going to be everything that just like makes you like fucking like that one Photoshop photo of Mariah Carey. Like that's not it. That's not it. So don't- You're not going to become skinny Mariah Carey. So yeah. Um, the next one is spicy foods. I was like, oh, this is bullshit. You always hear like, oh, just like put spicy stuff and you're going to be so skinny. Like it's all this like detox tea bullshit narrative. However, like if you do have a spicy meal, it can provide a temporary rise in your metabolism about 8% greater than your typical metabolism. And that's because capsicum is a thermogenic thing. So like it causes your body's internal temperature to increase. So like it seems to be like legit as a claim that it does help your metabolism, but it's a minor amount. So it's not like going to be immediate or like significant amount of weight loss. So don't just like force your diet to be like sriracha. It's not going to do much for you. And then the next one is like cold showers or sleeping in cold. There's a lot of health gurus that are like, I feel like every fucking podcast where they're interviewing someone, they're like, what do you do? It's always like, I go in the shower for 30 seconds, really cold. And I'm like, okay, I don't want to fucking punish myself and do that. If you want to do it, go ahead. Um, And it's because your body is like, if you think about like natural state of like ancestors as like, if you are in this heightened state of like fear of like, oh my God, it's really cold. Your body has to naturally like ratchet up your metabolism to produce more internal heat. So it does make sense, but it's like not like a fucking thing to like fixate on once again. I mean, do your ice bath if you want to. I mean, they're often used for athletes for recovery. 
um because it activates like brown at brown adipose tissue tissues and muscle when it does work so that's one thing and then like last of all i think other ways like diet can affect metabolism like crash diets and calorie restricted diets can slow your metabolism i wish that was told to me when i was younger um instead of just like seeing the glorified like skinny people of like thinking about like oh my internal self is not doing well you know the next one is like refined sugar and carbs just kind of like a niche or not like a niche area but i think this just gets into this, the idea of like, when you are digesting food, your body requires different energy to process something like a fibrous piece of broccoli than like a granola bar. So that's just something to think about when you are consuming foods, because it's not going to re- like relate exactly to weight loss or weight gain. Like if you're eating something that is like high volume, low volume, but higher in fiber foods are just naturally harder to break down than something like a refined sugar or refined carb. And then the last one is that like the dirty dozen, I don't really abide by it because I just think I'm like a stupid grocery shopper. Um, but like pesticides have been proven to bound or bind and alter the function of hormone receptors. Like if you ever hear about like endocrine system disruptors by like Mark Hyman, that's what it's referring to. Like a lot of this research is kind of like hippie woo woo about like endocrine disruptors. Like I think there's a lot of protocols you could take to really like biohack your metabolism but it just gets like down a restrictive rabbit hole and they might work for you once again. Like if you want to buy the dirty dozen, not eat anything that is processed, you know, not restrict your diet, get all this stuff in. If you want to do that, great. But I think some of it gets to be like very orthorexic and very scary, very fast. Um, So I think like the conversation about pesticides is like, that's not going to be something that kills your metabolism overnight. So you can't control a lot of that basically. But yeah. That's everything about metabolism title pending. That's the big metabolism rant. Um, yeah, it really, I wish when I was younger that like, I was like given this information that we just provided to you all that like calorie, like restriction is not your best friend. It's stupid. Just like fucking like let yourself eat and like move on with life. Um, so yeah, I hope this is like helpful. I feel like a lot of people will be able to relate to this and you know, we're all in this together. We're all in this together. Don't go down a Google rabbit hole of searching how many calories you need to eat in a day. You will never be satisfied with the answer because it will be very different. You will get everything from 1,200 to 3,000. So don't do it. Um, however, if you do feel like you are in a situation of like relapsing or struggling, or like you have a friend that is really like pushing you down the edge, like definitely reach out to get help. And recovery is something that is like really, once again, like I was saying, you, I would prefer that you get it with a specialist versus try to recover yourself if you can afford healthcare wherever you live and therapy of some sort. There's a lot of virtual stuff um, that you can do online with eating disorder recovery as well. It does suck that our healthcare system in the United States at least is so fucked that a lot of mental health care coverage is not covered by insurance. Um, but yeah, just wish if like you do feel like you're in a place, even like DM MRI, I can find- Well, I was going to say, yeah, we can help you. And also like if you are feel very lonely and like whatever recovery, or you don't really have anyone that you feel like you can like relate to, because again, it is like very isolating, you know, Geneva, great place. Everyone's always helping each other out. People are always talking about their struggles and like, yeah. people are very uplifting, but yeah, Kate and I are always here to like help you. We can kind of guide you and, you know, try to help you find resources that will benefit you. It's the least we can do. I mean, if, if I had someone that I was able to talk to when I was 15, maybe I wouldn't have not fucked up my metabolism in relationship to food so much. So more than willing to, yeah, pop out some CMOS girlies mm-hmm. or connect you with some other pals and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I'm going to go because I don't know if I'm flying home in an hour to New York or um, what I'm doing, but what are you up to? 
I'm gonna eat um some mackerel and Mary's crackers and I'm then I'm jealous going, and then I'm going on a walk with a boy hey we slay we love that um okay thank you CMUS girlies I love you love the pod leave us a review if you made it this far in the episode <laughs> bye <laughs>